Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Hey there, I'm Scott Schaefer. And I'm Marisa Lagos, and this is Political Breakdown. It is indeed, and we're gearing up for next year's election. We've got some fun and exciting changes in store for you here at The Breakdown. So, we know not everyone likes change, but you're going to be hearing some new things in the podcast feed in the coming weeks, and we really hope that you like all of it. We do, but we'd also like to get your feedback. So drop us a line, tell us what you think. My email is schaefer at kqed.org. That's S-S-H-A-F-E-R. And I'm at mlagos at kqed.org. That's M-L-A-G-O-S. All right. Enjoy the show. (laughs) We hope you like it. This is Political Breakdown from KQED in San Francisco. I'm Scott Schaefer. Happy Friday, everybody. It has been yet another wild week in the world of politics. And I guess, you know, let's face it, folks, is there really any other kind of week these days? President Joe Biden, First Lady Jill Biden are heading to Los Angeles today for a couple days of fundraising, raking in some campaign money with a little help from Hollywood luminaries like Steven Spielberg. Also, Rick Caruso, the billionaire Republican turned Democrat who ran for mayor of L.A., lost to Karen Bass after spending a whole lot of money. They are co-hosting events for the Prez. And it is his first fundraising swing since the Hollywood writers and SAG after strikes were resolved. Ironically, also an indictment of Hunter Biden, the president's son, was handed down in L.A. yesterday. I don't think that will be a talking point for the president. And we also learned this week that California is losing yet another high-profile power broker. Today I sit here having served as your whip, leader, and as the 55th Speaker of the House. As the son of a firefighter from Bakersfield, my story is the story of America. That, of course, is Kevin McCarthy, who finally got his lifelong wish to become Speaker, only to be knocked down by the very same people who elected him a few months earlier. So we're going to talk about Kevin McCarthy's meteoric rise in Washington and his stunning crash to earth, along with, uh, you know, all that means for his hometown of Bakersfield and the GOP's prospects for next year, especially the half dozen or so vulnerable Republicans running for re-election here in the Golden State. But first, a poll this week from PPIC 
Their surveys cover a lot of different topics and issues, but one thing that caught our attention was how Californians are feeling about the war between Israel and Hamas. And this is a little bit surprising, I think. Nearly half of likely voters, 48% to be exact, say the U.S. should intervene in the war. But, and here's the surprising thing, 51% said the U.S. should not pick a side. Now, I'm not exactly sure what that means, don't pick a side. Maybe they just want the U.S. to make the war stop somehow, which of course is a lot easier said than done. Or maybe they want the U.S. to be the role, uh, play the role of mediator, which I think is happening behind the scenes, although it's a little unclear how much Israel is really listening to that as they carry out the attack on Hamas. That idea of not picking sides, being somehow neutral, is definitely at odds with the Biden administration and Governor Gavin Newsom as well. Both condemn Hamas in no uncertain terms, although this week the governor announced that California was sending humanitarian assistance, medical supplies, things like that, wheelchairs, sending that to both Israel and Gaza. But let's get to that bombshell announcement this week from Congress member Kevin McCarthy. He finally, finally got his dream job of House Speaker in January, only to become the very first speaker ever removed from the job by his own caucus, no less. And let's start with the reaction to that decision with KVPR reporter Joshua Yeager. He covers Kern County. Geography lesson, everybody. That's where Bakersfield is. Hey, Josh. Hey, Scott. So um, first of all, just give us a sense of this district. I know 80% of it is Kern County. A little bit of it, I believe, is in Tulare and L.A. counties, but very much uh, a Kern County seat. Uh, Tell us about it. Yeah, well, you know, this district, it's it's dominated by agriculture and oil interests. It's, um, you know, largely rural, but covers uh, some pretty big swaths of uh, Bakersfield, but also Clovis, which is a, a suburb of um, Fresno and also kind of leans conservative. It's one of the reddest districts in California, um, although, you know, to its immediate neighbors are, are very purple and very competitive. Um, I know there's a tendency to kind of paint this area as a as a real Republican stronghold in California, but it's very purple. Um, although this district in particular is is really red, but yeah, um, it's been a whirlwind week here. I think it's fair to say with this announcement that McCarthy has stepped down. You know, my colleagues and I have been zooming around, talking to constituents, and um, I, I understand that McCarthy was very controversial nationally, but here he was really beloved. I mean, he's known as the Bakersfield boy, right? He, you know, it's hard to overstate how much influence he had locally and sort of in the Republican California political machine, so to speak. Um, he was a huge fundraiser for the party, and basically every Republican holding office here you know, from the local offices uh, up to the state and uh, in Congress, you know, either worked directly in McCarthy's office um, or had his blessing and his financial backing. So for him to step down in this way, you know, he says he plans to remain in the fight, his words, you know, by by backing Republican candidates across the state and country. But, you know, since he stepped down, I think that you know, it, it really tarnishes his ability to do that. It's, yeah. You know. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. I mean, he'll definitely, you know, he is a political animal through and through. So I'm sure he's going to be, you know, engaged in one way or another. We don't know exactly, you know, what that's going to look like. Um, but what, you know, what is your sense in talking to folks there? Uh, you know, obviously the greater party kind of he, he got to the right 
of him. Um, and uh, I just wonder, is there a sense that he is, you know, kind of a quitter, you know, by stepping down and stepping down early, not just not running for reelection, but actually leaving? Uh, or, you know, is there kind of a, you know, sympathy or empathy for his situation? Yeah, I mean, to an extent, that's that's definitely going to depend on on who you ask. But I think there's a lot of sympathy locally for the kind of tough position he was in. Um, I, you know, it's interesting. I think a lot of the the sort of national dynamics at play within the within the Republican Party, um, you know, this sort of you know fight between these two factions, the more you know moderate wing and the sort of Freedom Caucus wing, are also playing out in Kern County. I mean, this is a this is a district that. Um, Trump carried by 10 points in the last election that overwhelmingly supported the recall of Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom. Um, so, you know, there certainly are a lot of constituents and residents here who support the, the more, you know, Freedom Caucus, or I guess you could say conservative wing of the party, um, just as there are still a lot of people who support Kevin McCarthy. And yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's it depends on who you ask. I think there have been a lot of um, there have been some candidates in this race here, even before McCarthy stepped down, who were campaigning against him, who are running to the right of him. Hmm. Uh, one of those ca- uh, candidates is David Giglio. He's a self-described America first Republican. And he was, you know, he was happy to, to see Kevin step down and had some pretty harsh words for um, the former speaker. Kevin represents. Um, everything that's wrong with politics. He's, he's made a lot of promises and he really hasn't delivered uh, much for, for the Central Valley and for the nation. Uh, this is a big opportunity for us to break the hold that Kevin McCarthy has on national Republican politics and on state uh, Republican politics. And Josh, uh, of course, we'll never know how he would have done in, in in the March primary against Kevin McCarthy. But do you have any sense of that? I mean, how much of an appetite do you think there is in that district for for somebody to the right of McCarthy and, and with that kind of a message? Yeah, I mean, like you said, no one has a crystal ball, but I think Kevin McCarthy would have would have uh, easily won re-election had he you know stayed in the race, um, and and that's just because. He has such a huge fundraising advantage and and is really the top Republican, um, you know, in California. Um, I think that's that's fair to say any candidate would have had a a huge uphill battle trying to unseat um, someone with that much of a, a, you know, with that big of a war chest. Um, And obviously name ID. Right, right. But, you know, now that he stepped down, I think it really um, uh, makes this race interesting so far, there hasn't been a successor or um, heir apparent that McCarthy has kind of thrown his weight behind. So far, locally, there's been a lot of like press conferences and announcements of who's not going to run for this seat, but no one who has really um, stepped up to say that they they plan to run and, and plan to to kind of carry on that tradition of you know maybe a more moderate candidate in the Republican Party. So it's yeah, I think it remains to be seen. I think. Um, it's a message like Giglio's, I think certainly a lot of people are, are gonna, are gonna hear it and, and might support it, but I think it's gonna, it's gonna really depend on who, you know, if anyone steps up to, to kind of fill the void left by McCarthy. Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, unlike there's been a lot of comparisons with McCarthy and uh, Nancy Pelosi, who of course, uh, 
preceded him as speaker. I mean, they're different in just about every way imaginable, certainly in terms of uh, philosophy, ideology, policy. But, you know, I've always been impressed with Pelosi always coming back to the district constantly here in San Francisco, holding town hall meetings, uh, meeting with constituents, being available to the media. And I, I just haven't gotten that sense with Kevin McCarthy, I think it's been a very long time uh, since he held a town hall meeting, for example, that wasn't on Zoom. Uh, but obviously that worked for him. Uh, he remained pretty popular. All right, we're going to take a short break. And when we return, we're going to broaden out this conversation. Joshua Yeager from KVPR is going to stick around. You're listening to Political Breakdown. I'm Scott Schaefer. We'll be right back. I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. And welcome back to Political Breakdown. I'm Scott Schaefer. We're talking about Congressman Kevin McCarthy, his precipitous fall from grace in a place where he rose to the top just a few months ago, only to be deposed as speaker calling it quits this week. We've been talking with Josh Yeager from KVPR. And joining us now are Shira Stein. She's the Washington correspondent for the San Francisco Chronicle. Hey, Shira. Hi. Also with us from Sacramento, Republican political consultant Mike Madrid, who is close to Kevin McCarthy from his days back in the state legislature. Mike, good to have you back on Political Breakdown. Always great to be here with you guys. So I want to just begin. Um, of course, McCarthy made his announcement this week uh, in an op-ed piece in the Wall Street Journal and with a short uh, video. Uh, let's hear just a little bit of that. We did our part. And when the stakes were the highest, we rose to the challenge. We were willing to risk it all, no matter the odds, no matter the personal cost. Simply put, we did the right thing. So, Mike Madrid, first of all, uh, what did you think of the message uh, that Kevin McCarthy had, uh, you know, in, in in calling it quits and saying he was stepping down this week? I thought it was kind of a, a, a bizarre video when I first saw it. It just didn't match reality. It didn't match the moment. It didn't match the record of kind of what he accomplished or didn't accomplish during his speakership. It just it's unfortunate for those of us who've known Kevin for 25 plus years is to realize just how much I think he's truly lost of himself. This was, this was, a, it was a little bit detached from reality, frankly, Scott. And, and 
and it was a little bit heartbreaking to watch. Hmm. Well, and that, that the, the words there, uh, we were willing to risk it all, no matter the odds, no matter the personal cost. We did the right thing. I mean, a lot of people would say that January 6th was really the time where it was all on the line. And he initially did the right thing, condemning Trump for inciting the mob, but then, you know, did that 180. Um, so, so where is the real Kevin McCarthy in all that? Well, I think that's why it's such a, a, a Greek tragedy here, right? Kevin McCarthy's story is a story about human failings and its pursuit for power and what it ultimately means when your character is revealed in that pursuit. And we, I think we found out who he was. More, more than any other American politician during this era, we have evidence of Kevin McCarthy's clear, uh, unmuddled belief that Donald Trump was a motivator uh, of the January 6th insurrection. He, he said as much on the House of Representatives. He said so much in leaked phone calls with Liz Cheney. We know that he believed that to be the case. And yet when the moment called, when the Republic needed him as much as it did at that moment, he completely failed in his obligation to stand up for the Constitution and stand up for what was right. And he capitulated to this this element in our political body that, uh, you know, consumed not only the Republican Party, but 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 consumed him and his career personally. So look, there's a, there's a lot of I, it's fascinating to see he's a young man. He's got a bright future ahead of him or at least a future ahead of him if he chooses to get back onto the path of of pursuing the message of what his of his exit message was, but hmm. but what he was conveying had nothing to do with the reality of his speakership. Yeah, and of course, Liz Cheney really put the emphasis on that in her new book, which she's out on the stump talking about. Shira, what are you hearing in D.C.? I mean, his, you know, Mike Madrid kind of called it a Greek tragedy. I mean, he did have a precipitous rise when he came into, into the uh, job as a uh, member of Congress in 2007. He was part of that group. They called themselves the Young Guns with Paul Ryan and Eric Cam from Virginia. Um, you know, what, what's the what's the buzz on the Hill? What do you hear? I, I mean, from the second that they started session this year, everyone knew that McCarthy's days would be numbered, um, not just as speaker, but as a member. You know, it's it is very unusual for a member of Congress, for a former speaker to stay in Congress after they left. The only other one who has done it is Nancy Pelosi. And she has done it where she chose to sit up down. She was not ousted by members of her own party. And in this case, I think most folks expected that McCarthy would step down. I was sort of wondering, okay, well, why hasn't he done it yet with the filing deadline coming up for um, elections in California? So it felt a little bit last minute and kind of odd how late he did it. Um, mm. Most members who are retiring had already announced by that point. Mm. Um, but it was kind of strange. Yeah. Do you have any insights into, I mean, you know, it's if, from afar, you know, you could see where he would be angry. He would be resentful. He would be bitter. Uh, you know, Mike Johnson, who took his place, hasn't really gone to him and asked for his advice or sought any kind of guidance. I mean, he really is out of the loop or has been, you know, in a way since that vote to get rid of him. What Do you have a sense of like where he's at emotionally? I know you're not a psychologist, but you know, what, what do you, what is your take on, on, you know, his state of mind right now? It's hard because he actually has been missing a lot of votes. Um, I sort of keep track of all of the members that I regularly cover and what votes they're at and what votes they miss. And he's been missing several votes over the last few weeks. So I don't know where he's been or what he's been up to. I just remember 
in the middle of all of the speaker vote drama more recently, um, when Speaker Mike Johnson was elected, I, I just remember watching McCarthy on the floor and he seemed like he was having a good time. It was very, <laughs> very strange. Like he was laughing and chatting with his friends and um, it was just a very strange thing to witness. So I truly don't know what I try not to opine on what politicians are thinking, but I <laughs> or feeling certainly especially don't know what's going on in his mind right now. Yeah. It's just it's just a whole very odd scenario. I really I, I think a lot of us expected him to resign right after and he stuck around for another month and a half and then is just going to leave. It's just super strange. Yeah. Yeah. Josh, you know, a lot of members of Congress, they they go back to D.C. to do things for their district, you know, to help, quote unquote, bring home the bacon. Um, and I'm just wondering, you know, what do you think people in Bakersfield, in, in the broader district there, feel that he actually accomplished for them in the years that he's been in Washington? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I, I spoke to some constituents or many constituents around the time that he was elected to the speakership. And I think people here um, kind of appreciated the role that he played nationally and were and were just sort of happy to see a, a, a son of the Central Valley, you know, ascend to to, um, you know, the, the most powerful one of the most powerful politicians in the, in the country. Um, and they weren't necessarily expecting him to, you know, uh, bring bring home the bacon, as you put it, uh, so much as just, you know, s- serve the country in his capacity as speaker. Hmm. Um, I mean, I, I will say that, like, he, he did, he was well-liked here for the most part. I know I know some politicians who uh, grow in stature nationally kind of um, get the reputation back home of, of being a sort of absentee representative, but I, I really don't think that applied to Kevin um, for, for most people. Uh, I do think Shira raised an important um, point around um, um, the deadline and how late he he decided to leave and in, in the um, sort of election process um, because you know it, 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 because he's choosing to leave at the end of the year that means it's basically Governor Newsom's decision whether to call a special election or not and there's precedent for him not doing that um, you know uh, Congressman former Congressman Devin Nunes. Um, left his post early to kind of go help run uh, the former president's social media network. And uh, how's his... that working out? <laughs> well, well, there's speculation that Nunez might be uh, might be one of the the um, uh, people who runs, uh, for, you know, for this race. He might come back because because after redistricting, um, you know, p- part of Nunez's former st- district is now part of uh McCarthy's district. Yeah. Well, you know, um, <laughs> that likability factor, Mike Madrid, I mean, that clearly has been kind of McCarthy's calling card, his secret sauce, if you will. He is a down to earth, likable, plain talking kind of a guy. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm wondering, like, do you think, you know, wh- where did that light switch go on or off where he just flipped and became a, you know, Trump supporter? Like, was that all about sheer ambition? He always wanted to be speaker and he knew that that road, that path to the speakership went through Trump's blessing. So, yeah. So the worst, the worst kept secret of of our political generation here in California politics was that Alex Padilla wanted to be a U.S. Senator and that Kevin McCarthy wanted to be the speaker of the house. And it was, as generationally, it was kind of great to see them both kind of accomplish both of their goals at the same time. But everything that, you know, Kevin McCarthy, every skill, every talent he cultivated and natural talents, he was naturally a gifted politician, 
ultimately, you know, came to serve a very different interest, uh, which was the interest of Donald Trump. And that's where the Greek tragedy kind of comes in. Hmm. He, you know, he he had that skill more than any politician that I've worked in. He had an ability to tap into the Republican base's sentiments, know where the party was heading. And that's what I think makes the fall all the more precipitous is he had to consciously decide that he was not going to support everything that he believed in and championed to be to rise in Republican politics like a rocket ship in order to kneel at the, the altar of Donald Trump. And that was the fateful decision that he ultimately made. Yeah. Sure. You know, Nancy Pelosi likes to call herself a master legislator, which in many ways she is. Uh, you know, certainly, Yeah, I think it's a, it's it's a fair, fair That's fair. Yeah. And I think she was like maybe, you know, if she waited around for a man to, t- to call her that, it was going to be a long time. So she decided to do it herself. But Kevin McCarthy, you know, never had any pretenses, I don't think, of being a policy person. Did he? I mean, he was just seemed to be all politics all the time. Am I missing something? No, he really, it, to me at least, it, it's it's appeared that way. I mean, he, when Republicans have been in the minority, he is really, really good at keeping certain things from getting passed and really good at being sort of like a a backstop. But when it, when they're in power, Republicans tend to have a much harder time actually passing things. Um, and I think he sort of falls into that same trap that most most congressional Republicans or at least House Republicans do. Yeah. Josh, do you think uh, voters in that district? And of course, we don't know everyone who's running. There's a lot of uh, sense that maybe Shannon Grove, the state senator from that area, will run. Uh, she is very much a pro-Trump Republican. Uh, Vince Fong, who was uh, McCarthy's district director down there, Assemblyman Fong, said he's not running. Do you have any sense of like, do people want somebody, might they want voters there, somebody more conservative, more in the, you know, it's hard to imagine. I mean, he was so pro-Trump, McCarthy, but, uh, you know, any thoughts about where people are or is it, are people just busy holiday shopping? Yeah. I I mean, I think, I think that's the million dollar question, right? I think McCarthy stepping down, it's, it's real. I mean, I don't want to be too cheesy or dramatic here, but I think it's really a referendum on the soul of, of the Republican party, you might say. I mean, whether, uh, like you said, a more far right candidate like the, like David Giglio succeeds, or or someone more in the mold of Kevin, who who might be considered a bit more moderate, one of his proteges with uh, Shannon Grove, um, you know, I think that's going to be really telling about where the future of the party is heading. Um, you know, both both here in Kern County and perhaps nationally. And, and, yeah, Mike, and I would just oh, I would sure, just go, push yeah. back, Scott, because you said you said like you know McCarthy is pretty pretty conservative. Here in Washington, he's not. And that's why he had such trouble getting elected as speaker. And that's why he was ousted. He mm-hmm. just is not seen as as conservative by the rest of his party or even by former President Trump. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And uh, just the willingness to even talk to or negotiate with Democrats is a black mark and something that, you know, Mike Johnson now has had to do. And uh, we'll see if he survives. I mean, with Santos. So out, far, they're letting him. Yeah. You know, well, they passed another CR, which was the reason that they ousted McCarthy, or at least that's the stated reason that they did so. And they let Johnson get away with it. So it'll be it'll be interesting next few months. Yeah. I wonder, Mike, you know, there's, we don't know yet exactly what McCarthy's going to do, but I think he's got like $17 million left in his various campaign accounts. I'm wondering what you think, how he might use that. I mean, do you think, is this a time for him to exact revenge on some of the people who, you know, were, were his biggest thorns? I mean, highly unlikely. I, 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 having said that, I don't know what his ambitions are. You said it really good in the intro. He's He's not done. There's a lot of lot of firepower left in him. He's a young man. He loves politics more than any any uh, speaker, any leader on either side. Kevin loves campaigns. 
He loves candidate recruitments. He loves getting into the nuts and bolts of districts. And he's going to be involved in that in some way, shape or form. I just can't see him, you know, doing the Boehner thing and becoming a lobbyist. And, and you know, <laughs> he, he may do some of that, but he's absolutely going to be involved in campaigns to which to which effect. Is it going to be pro-Trump, anti-Trump? Is it going to be, you know, to extract revenge? I don't know, hmm. but I do know that he will be involved. I did read, Shira, one last question here, an interesting factoid that he is apparently talking with Mike Garcia, who is the uh, Republican representative from the Palmdale area, uh, Los Angeles, working with him to recruit an ex-Navy commander to take on Matt Gates in Florida. Um, have you heard anything like that? That would be that, that would be time to make popcorn. Uh, that I have not heard that, but that would be very, very interesting. I mean, it was funny when when I found out that that McCarthy was retiring. Somebody said to me like, "Oh, he's gonna go the Boehner route because Boehner is, I think, probably the happiest former speaker out there." <laughs> Drinking a lot of Merlot, um, I think, down in he's Florida. Having a, I mean, and and you know, all the cannabis stuff. He's just having a great old time. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't see I don't see McCarthy doing that. Although I think I think he probably join a lobbying firm and, and make big bucks on the fact that he's a former speaker. Yeah. Um, like that's that's the most logical thing for most members yeah. of Congress, especially Republicans, to do after they exactly. leave office. Exactly. All right. Shira Stein from The Chronicle, Josh Yeager from KVPR, Mike Madrid up in Sacramento. Thank you all very much and uh, happy holidays, everybody. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. And that's it for Political Breakdown for Friday, December 8th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineer is Jim Bennett. Our producer is Izzy Bloom. Our team includes Marisa Lagos, Guy Marzarati, Molly Solomon, Otis R. Taylor Jr., and Ethan Toven Lindsay. I'm Scott Schaefer. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great weekend. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.